Dude, so yeah, I don't know what happened. My shit went rainbow wheel. What did you guys talk about? Uh, I don't know, but you're going to cut all that out, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly... We kind of kept it going. The conversation yeah. kept going. We didn't miss you at all. Like you. Were oh, that's fine. Good. Perfect. Then <laughs> no, I know. But my show. <laughs> Our show. Oh, that's all. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, we're too famous now. Now we're now we're now we're feuding. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up an headphone. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles. Cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. All right, guys, welcome to I'm a Pod Star, Not a Doctor, where you can hear real docs having real talk, and you might fuck around and accidentally learn something. I'm Danny Acevedo, a.k.a. Cuff Daddy. And I'm Sharif Bechet, the American Pharaoh. And today, what do you got for me today, Danny? Nothing, man. I think today we're just going to talk about entertainment, uh, a little bit of, you know, being ourselves on the Pod Star, and, you know, we're going to have a cool guest on to t- help us uh, do that a little better, I think. I'm excited. I'm not going to tell anybody what we're talking about, but I am wearing, if you watch on YouTube, a Detroit Bad Boys hat and a Detroit Pistons NBA champions from 2004. So we'll just leave it at that for right now. But, you know, it's funny. I was talking to some people and I'm getting these texts and I don't know about you, but I'm getting these texts and they're like, hey, dude, you guys are making me crack up. I'm getting little excerpts of like a sentence from guys that I know or, and people I know. And they're like, dude, that, that shit is funny. So, do, you think, do you think it's FOMO? Like, what's is FOMO real? I had FOMO this weekend. A lot of my friends were in Oregon, like your friends, and everybody was posting cool pictures. I was like, oh, man, I should have went. That looks fun. It, it, looked, it looked fun, and then it yeah. looked like there's like hiking and whitewater rafting, and that's like some super white shit. So <laughs> I, I was like, I mean, it sounds fun. It sounds super Oregon, and it would have probably been awesome, but it sounded like work. Like, it I like, were hiking boots. like I don't like bugs. I don't like hiking boots. I don't like hiking. I like I'll watch it on on TV. You know what I was watching this weekend? Don't laugh, but so I like to watch animal documentaries. So I was watching Predators on Netflix, and it's pretty dope. Like you see the uh, the the views of a cheetah, and basically like there's this like cool little brother group in, in the African plains in the Serengeti, and they like roll up with each other. Like they run this whole territory like a gang, and you see them like talking to each other. And they look at each other with little cat faces, and the then they like homies are like, hey, you know, homie. so like. They own like all the gazelles, right? So there's all these gazelles out there and they look cute and shit. So then like you see the guy look at him and he's like, hey, bro, you ready? And the other guy looks at him and he's like, yeah, I'm fucking ready. And then like the guy's like, boom. And then he like takes off. And then the other one looks and he looks behind him and then he goes and he zigzags and he flanks this gazelle and he like grabs it by the neck and he smushes it down. And it was dope. And then my wife came in and asked me why I was watching that. But I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I don't like I don't like going out into the into the wilderness and stuff, but I love watching it on TV, dude. I have no idea what we just happened there. Like (laughs) I have no idea how we got there, but it was quite the story. But I'm I'm literally just baffled, like how how we how we ended up in 
this this like animal squashing another so, animal. Like, I was confused. watching Instagram and like, oh, there was all these people hiking and shit. And I was like, huh. And then I'm gonna I was looking on Netflix and I found this animal documentary. So I started watching it. It was part of my FOMO. So were you entertained <laughs> when that happened? Oh yeah, dude. I love that animal shit. I watch like Shark Week and you know, anything where they announce like the attack of another animal, you know, is, is pretty exciting to me. So the key <laughs> to what you're do- talking about is that it entertained you. Yeah, yeah, is for sure. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And so it was else? like Tom Hardy, like like announcing it or whatever you call it. You know, it's all about the announcer, right? So like it's all British. It's exciting. She's huh? like, the shark is going to attack. <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> is going to chomp yeah. on this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. They might be in trouble because the the wilderness is on fire. And you're like, no. The, and the brothers are looking around like they're going to fucking starve. And then, so, like, they, yeah, they show the rival cheetah gang. And the rival cheetah gang, like, rolls deep, like, four versus two. It gets pretty serious, dude. I got pretty into it. So who was red? Who was bl- <laughs> You're from L.A. Who was red? Who was blue? Oh, I don't do that. We don't. I don't want to do that. Who is MS thirteen? Okay, I don't want to even get into <laughs> oh that. Oh my god, we don't. We don't want to get into that. Edit that. No. Edit that. <laughs> but it it is entertaining, and and you know, there's nothing. So I, when I was in Rome, I met this guy, and he comes up to me, he goes, "Dude, I love your pod." I was like, "Okay," and I'm like, "Where are you from?" He goes, "Manchester, England," and I'm like, "And you've heard our pod? You're like one of like eight dudes." <laughs> I'm going to call him out Oscar, my guy. So he recorded a little tidbit, but he speaks like Peaky Blinders. And I I can't understand a thing he says, but it's kind of cool. It was cool. Yeah. So I want Peaky Blinders doing narrating cricket. That would be entertaining. Dude, it's all, it's all about the narrator. You know, I used to joke about that when I got my first job. Uh, I went to one of the surgery centers and like, and then I walked in and it's like, Dr. Acevedo is here. And then I tried to find out who yeah, like, oh, did that because I wanted it to be much, much more extra. <laughs> I wanted him to play like a song, like, you know, that, that Kanye West song. Oh, oh, oh. And then oh. I'd walk in and then the lights would flicker and no, then they no, no, would no. say my name. No, I got the perfect song for you. Uh, it's that that what is it, Timmy Trumpet or whatever, when the dude runs out on the Mets and comes to pitch. It's it's pretty sick. So <laughs> I'll let you look it up. But it is it would be sick for you. Like every time you rolled out, it was like uh like you were coming in as a relief pitcher and like the music would play, people would cheer, you would run at like at a full sprint into the <laughs> OR. I, that would entertain me. Dude, that would be dope. That would be so dope. I'm going to have to make a TikTok like that. That'd be the best. Like, I always, I actually, some of the people I work with want to make a TikTok with me because I, I, I have a seven o'clock start, not a 7 30 start. And I, I want to cut skin at seven, but it's always like 7 30 and change. However, if I did 7 30, it'd be like 8 30 and change. So I gained maybe a half hour. But they want to make one where they're preparing the room at like 620 and then they show me like at 710, like kind of moseying in. But it'd be <laughs> bullshit because I'm there on time. But yeah, they want to make a sick TikTok where it makes it look like I'm late. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, TikTok's cool. Everybody wants a little bit of attention, you know, a little bit of fame. And I think that's part of the, you know, the whole announcing thing. Like if they, when they announce you, like, that's pretty cool. If they announce you in the hospital, it's just like sports, right? Like when they announce the players and, and they come in and, and they say your name, like, super, you know, 
over the speaker and they play the music. That's that's what we need. So would that hype you up or like make you feel like, like how would that make you feel if the you're coming into the OR and you're announced? So they say, and next patient XB coming in for a rotator cuff. <laughs> and you're like, be Shit, I want to do that. Yeah, and then we have and then like do that surgery. They'd be like, on the sidelines, we have Arthrex Swivel Lock Anchors. Exactly. <laughs> and we have BioBrace to augment. You're like, what? <laughs> I'd be like, that shit is dope. I want to use that. And I'm like, young surgeon being like, oh, my God, I hope one day they can yell my name out and what I'm using. Yeah, Dude, all the fans. <laughs> it would be kind of fun. I mean, like, Dude, but see, I'd look there are like no fans in the, in the in the hospital. There are no fans in the OR. They they yeah, need to like, Dude, just wrap it up. I want to go home. All the workers are fans. They're all fans. Are they're they? I think they want to go yeah. home at three o'clock. No, they're they're fanning it. They're fanboying. Or fangirling. Sure. Yeah, so, or fangirling. Yeah, I feel fan- like you I, know these days you have fanboying. Yeah, we're just like a professional team, right? There's always like the nurses and the techs and everybody who want to work with like the specific doctor because they listen to X music and and they're fun to be around. And then you have the other people who gravitate toward the more serious people, right? Everybody has like their own team. So I feel like, you know, it's just like being in a, in a sports game. We just need we just need a announcer. And if you had an announcer, what would you I mean, what how deep would you want him to get in the weeds like Danny Acevedo from a small little town in Texas, Mexico, Guadalajara. I mean, like, I mean, what do you want him to say? Like, how deep in the weeds are they trying to figure out who you are? They're like, they're they're just wild. They're just like getting into it, and they're they're just they're just feeling it. And you're just like, and, and you don't even want to go in the OR because you're just letting them ride this out. They got a mariachi band as you're coming in, and in like the bunny suits because they're playing their instruments in the OR. Oh man, I would work. Every day, I would never come home. Oh. My wife's like, "Where are you? I'm at work. They announced me here. I gotta stay." We <laughs> have a mariachi band, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the kids I said what's up. I'll be home later. Oh my god! <laughs> and the best part is, is like if I they said something to me, I'd be like, "Yeah, they're playing like in Arabic. They call the drum the tabla," and they'd be like, "They'd be like," and like just like people like dancing and everyone's feeling it and then somebody be like hey play the sitar i'm like man that's indian bro you can't play the sitar for an egyptian what guy if, what if they made us all come to work in our like traditional garb and then i'd come in oh, surgery, like as a mariachi i would come in as a mummy do you think people would let me operate on their shoulder if i showed up like that dude if you wore the like sick ass mariachi where it's like a 16 button suit but doesn't cross like your nipple line, yeah, and it's like it's all up top, and, yeah, that would be kind of sick. It looked like the Z Cavaricis from back in the day with the high waist, dude. They're super expensive because I think I looked there's like thousands of dollars. I wouldn't doubt it, they're probably all handmade by some nice lady that makes tamales. <laughs> Speaking I of which, is, but she seems uh, nice. Hispanic Heritage Month. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month to all those out there. What month is that? This month. It's like September 15th to like October 15th. It's like four I weeks. recognize this month. There's no Arab month. Oh, we got to get you one, dude. It's the best. No, I, honestly, they ruined it. So I was at the hospital on Friday and they had tacos in celebration. And I was like, yes. And I was in line with the nurse and she's like, what are you so excited about? I'm like, well, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Did you see me take a selfie? One, number two, they have freaking tacos and everybody loves tacos. And she's like, they do. 
So what's your? <laughs> all right. So let me ask you a silly lying. question. Favorite food line. truck. Favorite food truck. Bobby, you can chime in. Oh, my favorite food truck is in Hawaii, Giovanni's Shrimp Truck. And this was me pre-vegan, right? But that place is bomb. It's in North Shore, Hawaii on, on uh, Oahu. It's freaking amazing. All right, Bobby, favorite favorite food truck. Oh, you guys are going to hate this. Oh, boy. I've never eaten at a food truck before. Okay, come, you can leave. Bye. Go back away. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Bob. Uh, you're not even Bobby. You're just Bob. Uh, <laughs> see you, B. <laughs> Don't be sad. Oh, I'm just kidding. He ruined, he ruined that segment. Damn it, Bobby. It's like, what, what's that show? King of the Hill. Damn it, Bobby. So uh, it's okay. But uh, I think food trucks, I mean, I don't care where it is. It's just if they sling a good taco, that's a good food truck. I mean, there's some great food trucks in New York when I lived there. Some magic going on there. But uh, but it, I don't know. There's something about a fancy taco truck. Game over. Yeah, we had a lot of food trucks over here. I mean, we have like danger dogs outside the hospital at nighttime, you know, like pop-up taco stands, like in these dark little alleys in LA. They're always scary. They got lights on, but it's always, it's always shitty. I don't want to go. <laughs> it's like, I want to eat that, but I don't want to get killed. Like, er, okay. We'll, we'll hold off. Maybe we'll order, maybe we'll take it to go and sprint by and pick it up. <laughs> Dude, so who's going to be on the show, man? I, I want to know. I think everyone wants to know who's coming on. So my guy, John Mason, a.k.a. Mason in the morning, a.k.a. Detroit basketball. So this is a guy that I randomly met. I'll, uh, I'll wait till he's on to you know see if he even wants me to discuss how we met. Um, but uh, he's a good dude. He is the PA announcer for the Detroit Pistons. He's been doing it since like 04. Uh, but he's uh, it, this guy's a machine, man. This guy is the guy. I'm so honored to you know have met him literally by accident, and it's I'm just so happy because I I, I drug out my 2004 NBA championship shirt. I got my Detroit Bad Boys hat. He's shaking his head. I can see him backstage. He's shaking his head, and I'm just excited to have him on because this guy. We just talked about entertainment for the last, you know, 15 minutes or so. This guy is entertainment. We don't have to say a word for the next like 45 minutes because this guy has the hype. This guy will get you going. This guy's going to make you want to do magic things. I cannot wait to have my guy John Mason on Mason in the morning. Bobby, bring Mason on. Give us an I'm a pot star, not a doctor, so we can use it as a promo. I know it. I know you're a pop, you're a podcaster star. No matter what you do and no matter where you are, you're good people and you share a lot of love. That's how we met, man. Thank God from above. 
All right, my man. And so, Mason, can I tell the story how we met? Please, please tell the story. All right. So this is this is a few weeks back, and my kids are like, "Hey, I want Fud Rockers." I'm like, "Okay, all right, let's do this." So we go to Fud Rockers, and we get it every so often, and we're there, and we we get our food. And this, and we go back to get something. This nice gentleman standing in front of me, and he's trying to, to order his meal, and he's giving him a credit card, not working. Give him another credit card, not working. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, and I, and I, you know, there's something. I mean, I'm a very impatient human. I'm remar- as you probably are, Danny, because you're a surgeon, so you are impatient. You're like, wrap it up. And, and but I didn't have that feeling. I was just like, something's bad's going here. So I'm like, after maybe like six, seven minutes, I'm like, I looked at the guy and I said, you know what? Let me get my man's dinner. I didn't know what he ordered. I don't care. It's like, this is my guy. I mean, he looks like a good human. Let me take care of my fellow human. And he turns around to me and he says, Are you serious right now? And I'm like, Absolutely. Let me get your dinner. I have no problem with it. Just, I, you know what? You have, you just look like I, I want to do this for you. So as I'm handing the credit card to the guy, the guy behind me says to to Mason, he says, hey, can I record an Instagram like live video with you right now? I can't believe you didn't know who he was. You were just you like didn't even know. Mason, I love you. You know that. But you lost a significant amount of weight. Tell the whole story. All right. You go. You go. He was going to help me. I said, listen, I'd love it. Thank you. But I'm picking up food for my family. He said, no problem. I got you. No problem. I got you. He had no idea who I was, what I was doing, why the credit card didn't go through. I still don't know. Nonetheless, he took care of it. And I'm like, you didn't have to do that. What a blessing. And then here's the beauty of it all. He allowed me to meet his family. You, you know how important that is? And I wanted to express to his young kids how powerful that is from a man and from a man's heart to another man. And it was just just a beautiful moment. Doc. But he had no idea who I was. He Not was just a- being him. <laughs> and you know, I love it, Doc. I love <laughs> that. Awesome. Well, the best, because, Mason, I mean, let's be honest. How much weight have you lost since, like, I, I picture you sitting behind the PA announcer. I mean, you look great, by the way. So, but well, how much weight do you think you've lost? Uh, maybe about 20 pounds. And and now that the season's about to start, I got to drop 10 more because I need the great. energy. You know, like I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. So I need the energy and I'm getting close to that time again. So I got to drop another 10 and just be comfortable. And uh, so I can, I can. Give it out like like you gotta let Bobby in. The man <laughs> no more no more Fuddruckers if you want no more Fuddruckers if you want to tighten it up, dude. But you're you're like turn you're turned up all day. Like where do you get this energy from? Because you know people say that I have a lot of energy, but right now I feel sluggish hanging out with you. <laughs> Listen, you're not sluggish. What a blessing! I don't do anything. Listen, this is what I tell people: it's two things I don't have to do. I don't have to go to school and I don't have to work. I play all day. So I got a lot of energy. I don't do anything. I wake up in the morning, I grab a cup of coffee, I do a radio show. So I get to yap, 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 and talk. I also uh, 
have four dot com stations that I work constantly: a jazz station, an old school uh, '70s show, uh, okay. inspirational channel called Vibe. So I just stay busy, and then I got the NBA coming. But but I and I used to work with surgeons. I worked at University Hospitals of Cleveland in surgery. What, I was a, a nurse's technical assistant. Let me tell oh, you guys good. something, because you guys know this. Now, this is long before you guys were probably even born, let alone thinking about being a doctor. We used to take galls, wrap galls, dip them into 100% alcohol, and let little babies suck on them. And that's how we did the surgery on babies back in the day. <laughs> Bet you never heard that before. <laughs> I, what kind of music? What kind of music do they listen to in the OR back then? They listen to classical oh, or something? Oh, God, everything. Everything. <laughs> I mean, everything. It was the most fascinating thing that I have ever done in my life. So here's what, here's a fascinating OR story. So I'm trying to get into radio. I work at the hospital. So I'm doing radio, trying to do radio in the day while I worked at Burger King. That's how I really made my money. Then I would go to the hospital at 7 a.m. And then I would work after I worked overnight doing radio. So I'm in surgery. We're prepping for a hip operation. So I'm holding the leg. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, these docs know that you're not allowed to put your hands below your waist once you're in the surgical room. So I couldn't relax my arms. I'm holding the leg as they're prepping it. When I went to switch <laughs> hands, I dropped it. <laughs> oh shit! Dude, I had the surgery because I contaminated the room. I don't know That's what the they told the patient. <laughs> oh my god! I see, and and because we just met, I did not know that part about you. Like I know Wikipedia. You, I most did, people don't know surgery. that, but that was that was the most that was the most fascinating time of my life, meeting patients, assuring them that they're going to go in and come out. Um, and I'll tell you this one last story and I'll let you guys get to, to what you, what you got me on for. No, you do your thing. No, this is it. I heard, I heard this, I heard this sound, right? Now I'm new. I don't know anything about this. So I'm working in surgery. So I hear the sound. So I'm like, there's no way they're doing construction while they're doing major surgery in this, in this wing. There's no way. They but are. they were going into the chest cavity for oh. heart surgery. <laughs> so it's funny. One of our one of our one listeners is <laughs> is at University Hospital. His really, name is Robert Gillespie. He's still, he's a surgeon. He's one of our buddies. He's a shoulder surgeon. He's a big fan of the show. Wow. So give me a give me a Robert Gillespie University Hospitals Cleveland. Robert. Gillespie University Hospitals of Cleveland. <laughs> we know what you do. <laughs> That's dope, it. man. You Dude, I feel it. like I feel like this is like something divine, man. You're over here, you're you know working at a hospital, and now you're a radio star, and I'm working <laughs> at a hospital. I'm trying to be a pod star. I mean, this this is all meant to be, baby. See, see. <laughs> The, the 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 pod the podcast I, I mean the the name of the show is just incredible I, I love how you guys do this so let me ask you because you know I'm fascinated 
Take over yeah. the show, baby. What made each of you get into your profession? Go, go, Sharif. Tough day. You want me to go? Yeah, um, yeah. Ironically, I got hurt at a very young age, and I was a soccer player, and I hurt my knee, and I tore my meniscus, and went to a doctor, and I was 12, and I was I, I met this man, and that man turned out to be like one of the pioneers of arthroscopic surgery. His name was Lanny Johnson. I grew up just out of Lansing, Michigan. And wow. And ironically, um, so I, he took care of me and it was great. I did a meeting in San Diego last year and he was there and I walked up to him. I go, I doubt you remember me, but you took care of me 37 years ago for my knee. And this is my follow-up. And he looked wow. at me like, what? And he was like, and I told him, and he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And I told him, yeah, because of you, I became a surgeon. And, uh, but, but that, that's my story. But it, that's it, an incredible it's kind of cliche. Story. But it's kind of cliche. However, it's not my cliche. story. Yeah. It's not okay. cliche. That's an incredible story. So, my, so my, my thing is, my, dad, my dad's first gen Latino. So I'm Mexican American. Uh, had me young, you know, grew up in a poor family and basically was smart. You know, he got a philanthropist to pay for school, ended up going to medical school, became a doctor. And I kind of grew up with him because he was only like 23 when he had me. And I kinda, yeah, so I kind of saw him become a doctor. He'd take me to work and shit. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this doctor thing. And then he'd take me into the ER and I was like, but not this. It's really loud in here. <laughs> and then so then uh, I met a surgeon in the ER. Uh, he's my buddy, Rafi Merzai. And I met him through my dad, actually. And, and I started hanging out with him and he listened. He was listening to Little Wayne in the OR fireman f -f -f fireman and they were doing a they were doing a Tommy John surgery and I was like oh shit I gotta do this I don't know what they're doing but I'm gonna do this surgery and listen to rap music and this is gonna be my life that's basically oh, how I <laughs> those are incredible stories man yeah. so how did you guys come I, listen I know it's not my show but how did you come together to do a podcast I so there was a height requirement <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, we were we met a couple different times, and we have the same vibe. It's like we just like to have a good time. So, you know, if you if you go back and think, Mason, to those ORs that you were in in Cleveland, the I, I don't want to throw all doctors and surgeons under the bus. However, they tend to be kind of stuffy, and, and it's yes. okay. But but. <laughs> Yes. He goes, yes. Uh, but when when I look at what Danny and I are like, we are very uh, similar in our personalities. Uh, the only difference is I'm a foot taller and it's fun. We have a good time together. He's a way better surgeon because he's got small hands. He can put his hands in the body. I can't. Mine are big. Um, wow! But but That's no, he's amazing. You don't know how amazing you guys' story is, man. Every star has a story, and if you listen, you'll learn something from from everybody. And That's Tom Daddy is my star. Here, here's the craziest, the craziest story. Now the dropping of the leg was one, but I had a surgeon who was dating the nurse. Oh, they are having an argument during the surgery. He gets mad and walks away. They close, leaving a suture inside the body. Ooh. We had to bring the patient back. 
for sure. And that's why you shouldn't do your nurse, people. Don't shit where you eat. (laughs) 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 Words to live by. But it was you heard it here first, and I'm a doctor, not a doctor. Don't shit where you eat. Amazing thing to be a part of, man. To to work to work in 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 the OR. There was just I I have still yet to find anything to match it, and I commend you guys for being doctors, and it just shows where your heart is and how you were there that day. Uh, when my credit cards wouldn't go through, you didn't give a, you didn't give a rat's ass who I was or what I was doing there or what I had in my pocket or didn't or what the situation was. Of course you were trying to, to finish it, but you were concerned. Hundred and, and, and that means everything. That means you, you heal people two ways. You can physically heal them. And then you can also spiritually and mentally heal them. And that's a terrific blessing. Both of you have godly hands. You do. I'm going to say this is the last piece of, of, I guess, religious whatever you want to say, but I call it spirituality. When Jesus said there'll be those who do greater things than me, he was talking about you guys. Amen. And, and and what you can do and the way you can heal, save, and bring back. Okay. I had to get all of that out. I thought about that for the moment I met you when you told me, Doctor, you were a doctor. That was like crazy. Well, what what's I don't even I, I don't even remember if I told you that initial day that I was. I think I you did. Back- no, we've changed numbers, and you told me three or four days later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was funny about it is, and I, and I started to tell Danny is like the guy behind us wanted to take a video with you, and ascend, I and like him. do a live video with you, which blew my mind because I'm like, wait a second, I'm buying this guy dinner, and this guy <laughs> wants to shoot an Instagram live video with them. And then you went, Detroit Basque. And I was like, oh, shit, that's amazing. Doc, Doc, I don't remember. You know what I remember? I remember you paying for the food, me thanking you and saying, that's my family over there, and me going straight to your family. I don't even remember the other guy. I remember your son, your daughter, and your wife. Uh, And I thanked them and told your kids that, that's that's a great man. Not knowing they, they were like, Mace, you don't really know. He really great. <laughs> no, that's very sweet. I mean, it was it was, it was all fun. good. It was the it was the most beautiful thing, man. That was we, beautiful. We had a blast at meeting you. And you know, the, the funny thing is how we text the next day. And yeah, you know, I let you be. I didn't want to like be a fanboy. It's all good. Me. Not with those magic hands. You can't be. You're as great as any player I've ever introduced. Oh, you're so sweet. Mason, I want to know. So I, I love your voice. You got the energy and everything. And, and I listen to myself, you know, on the podcast, and I feel like I sound like a chipmunk, man. Like, what do you think about my radio voice? You think I got a future in this or no? <laughs> so here, here's what I tell anybody. Yeah. Because you don't sound like anybody else, that's the most magical voice you could have. Woo! Who wants to hear... 100,000 other people who sound just alike. I want to be distinguished. So that's a distinguishing voice. You know, when I do the NBA, I'm probably one of the least NBA announcers. I don't have that arena voice. So what I what I do is what is called a finesse voice. I don't 
I don't, I can't do the arena. Now I can do it for fun and fake it, but I can't do a game like that. I don't have that, those beautiful pipes and all that stuff. I don't have that. So I just have fun, daddy. I just, I just <laughs> be me and let it go and finesse it. So that, that's what I bring to it. When I used to play little league football, I was always too small, but I was extremely fast. So I always use my speed. I don't care how big you were. I wasn't going to tackle your body. I'm going to tackle your ankles and I can get to your ankles real fast. So it's the same with being the PA announcer. I don't have the pipes, but I've got the finesse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, what, so what you, how did you get into this? I mean, because like, did you always know? Because you started your conversation telling us how you were in the OR. Now, how did you get into like radio? And then how did you get into the NBA arena? Like, well, how did the, that happen? the radio is what I wanted to get into. I went to Kent State University for, in Ohio. Uh, so, so the radio I wanted to do. What happened in getting into the NBA? I had no idea nor did I have any interest, nor did I know anything about it. All I knew is I could hear the guys on TV sound like they were mumbling. Number 23. I didn't know what the hell they were saying. I mean, I had an idea. But I didn't know anything about the game. I was a casual basketball fan. I switched radio companies, and they wanted to put my picture on the wall downtown. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. God, did we what lose is Danny, Danny doing? Danny, come back. <laughs> what is Danny doing tonight? There he is. He's back. Okay. All right. Pick there up that is. segment. So they want they were going to put my picture on the wall where the big MGM lion was. At the time, the MGM lion wasn't there. And, and they said, no way. MGM has bought the wall. So this new company wanted to do something to show me off that they now have me as a personality. Now, they didn't tell me. This is what they told me. The Pistons are doing a community game at Wayne State University. Would you come out and just announce the game? I'm like, great. I just changed jobs. You know, I can try to finesse them for some season tickets at a discount. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I had no idea what I was doing, and it was an open practice. They didn't say anything to me, so I had fun. I started looking for the salesperson to talk to, and the guy I was talking to, I asked another gentleman, what happened to him? They said, oh, he left already, but you'll see him next week. I'm like, I'm not going to see him next week. So then three days later, they tell me to come and do a game at the palace. So I don't know anything about this, so I'm saying to myself, Oh, I guess the real announcer doesn't do preseason. So I'll get another game in and I can try to get those tickets at a discount. <laughs> so I go to the palace and I don't know what I'm doing. I think we were playing uh, the New Jersey Nets at the time. Jason Kidd was a famous guard is really all I knew. So I was just imitating something from the movie. Jason, 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 Jason. <laughs> like, oh, good. You can't do that. I didn't know what I was doing. So that's how I got into it. The next thing I know, a week later, they send me the full schedule. They never said to me, you're the PA announcer. They never said, you're hired. They just sent me the schedule. And I'm like, I don't know the game. 
So I got into trouble because I didn't know what the heck I was doing, man. Joy Crawford, one of the world-renowned fame Hall of Famer reps, came up to me one game, man, I was like the third or fourth game. I tried to make a call. I thought I had the right call, but he stopped. He said, you don't make the call until I make the call. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so in the middle of the third quarter, this is a true story, in the middle of the third quarter, a, the, the opposing team was taking out the ball. He blew the whistle and stopped the game. He was in the far corner. He walked real slow over to me. I'm like, this is it. I ain't going to make it, man. And said to me, okay, kid, now you got it. And resume the game. The coaches and everybody, they were baffled. Why did he stop the game? That was Joey Crawford. So that was kind of my baptism in it. I didn't know they even paid you for it. It was the <laughs> second to the last game of the season when they said you haven't picked up one check all season. I'm like, I didn't know you get paid. <laughs> Not to do this. Well, and, and surgeons, sometimes we do some surgeons. We don't even know if we get paid. <laughs> You're crazy. You're crazy. You're just nuts. You always get paid. That's no, I worked in the cast don't. room, too, for a while. Though. That was really fun. You worked in the cast room? For a little while. <laughs> Man, I didn't know any of this. He's on our team. He's team orthopedic. There it. you go. There you hey, go. Hey, I, a, hey, I got a question. The two guys, you know, the two guys that ran the department would smoke weed. They get high all the time, and they kept saying, "You." I was like, "I don't smoke." They kept saying, "It's natural." It's, it's all okay, okay, I'm good. But they were so good at it. They were so so. They had to do a job. Um, they had to do a full body cast. They wouldn't got real high before they did it. I'll never forget it, and did an excellent job. <laughs> oh man! Oh my God! Many of my stories. <laughs> that's crazy, man. So, what do you think? Like, you know, you're obviously pretty successful with the personality and and all the shows that you've been on. Uh, what What do you think makes a good radio personality? You know, there's a lot of docs that have podcasts that we kind of like, you know, fed off of a little bit when we were making our own podcasts. And so, for pe for our listeners, because I'm sure there's people who have podcasts who are listening, what, what do you think makes a good radio personality? Just being you, you just can never. Uh, it's it's that simple. Huh? <laughs> what if you're whack? No, you're not. No one is. No one That's is. True. Everybody likes something about somebody. No, no. As long as you're not trying to be somebody else, I'm telling you, that's the golden ticket. Oh. It's the golden ticket. It's the golden ticket to be you. There's nothing. There's nothing. You, to be you is everything because there there are not two of you. It's just you. And so you are who daddy. you are. Your stories yeah. where you don't come try from. to be the 510 cuff daddy. Just own the 54 <laughs> cuff daddy. <laughs> I'm see Diddy all day, every day, man. You know, anybody who knows me know I'm I'm like this. This is just I me. I'm just, I'm just Ladies wilding. and gentlemen, it's the two dogs <laughs> from the block doing the party podcast. With the hard knocks, <laughs> it's the two ducks. <laughs> so, Mason, no, no joke. This is my guy. If there's ever a guy with the vibe 
that like just owns who he is, this is the guy right here. See Diddy, come oh, daddy right here. It. <laughs> it's 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 too much fun. It's too. I told you, I don't have a job and I don't have to go to school. I just play around. People watch the game at night. I go like I'll just go to the game. I was gonna go anyway, so just go to the game. Then I wake up in the morning. Like, what do you do? First thing I do is drink coffee anyway. So I get coffee instead of turning on the radio. I'm on the radio, so it's the same. I don't do anything. So it's 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 the funnest life. It's a it's a well blessed life. And I have a ball. Um, it's when I do NBA 2K. There are no pictures or anything. You're sitting in front of a computer. Um, but my imagination is so powerful. I, I feel like I'm right there. They put the effects in my headset. Dude, we I gotta get a video go. game. I gotta yeah. get a video game. <laughs> we gotta yeah. we gotta play that and play with and have make you guys need game. your own video game. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe like a show, but fuck that. I want a fucking video game now. That's just hard. Oh my god. Could you imagine? That'd but, be crazy. Little, little, little video game, dude. I do surgery and then I rap a little bit and then I have a podcast and shit. You know, it's just big cuff daddy. It's called. It'll be it's like called, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I do the. I do some dirt at night. You know, make it a little edgy. Steal a car. <laughs> you know, whatever. From Scrubs well, to Hubs, the two docs on the oh, bike. God. I gotta ask another question before before it gets too late. Before I forget, dude. So I grew up. In the 90s, right? Like, one of my favorite shows was Martin, right? That dude was hilarious. So, when, when I was looking up, when I was looking you up, low-key, because I had to, uh, I saw that Martin's about your life. Is that true? It is true. They followed me for, like, so we have questions. 30, 30 days. And uh, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why they picked me. Why? Where'd they come from? It all happened. Uh, Copper Teru, uh, Copper Carew was the guy's name, the producer, and that's and that's what they they thought the characters and the stuff that I did was extraordinary, and they thought it was funny, and they wanted to make a television show about it, and so that's how Martin came about. Martin, Martin. I mean, that's all I can hear. So let me ask you. So who's Gina? Who yeah, <laughs> who is Shanae? And I want okay. to really know who brought me in. Shanae was a gay character that I used to do on my morning show that I grew up with. So he became part of my cast of characters. So sh instead of the gay guy, they did Shanae. Um, the old and you man, did these characters? Uh, huh? These are all your characters? Yes. Or were they, they just they just you know they they changed them somewhat so that they could have complete ownership. Yeah. Uh, the, the the um what was his name? I forget his name now, but he was the security guy, Otis. Uh I used to do an old man character because when I went off to college, I missed the sound of old people. And at Kent State, we had a, like a little forest that you walk through. Um, to get to the classrooms. So when I was in the forest by myself, I just pretend I was these old people. An old lady who lived across the street named Miss Brooks and an old man named Mr. Jasper. So that, that's where the old people came from. Shanae was the gay guy that I grew up with. That's how I learned music. This guy would clean up the house. His mother would make him clean up and he'd have all the, the music and he could 
tell me about all the artists. It was an incredible thing. He was real cool. His name was Deucey. So I, I did, did him. Your nickname is Deucey, see, Daddy? Deucey. <laughs> yeah, Daddy. And before Deucey. he died, I got a chance to tell him about it. So he heard it. Um, and Gina, yes, was uh, there was a girl in my life at the time who looked like that. Uh, the guy Gina's Tommy. The guy yes. Tommy was an attorney in Detroit by the name of Ray Page who just passed. Ray was walking down the street when they were following me around, and Ray used to treat me to drinks at Flood's Bar and Grill downtown Detroit. I know where that so is. So he was always jovial. So he so happened to be walking by when we were walking, because I told him at that time, I, said, I like to walk in the evening. So we were walking and Ray walked by me and goes, you coming down the floods all excited. You're coming. And I'm trying to explain to Ray what these people were doing. Of course, the show didn't exist, so he didn't really care. He just kept saying, you know, I got you. I got you when you get there. I got you when you get there. So then they asked me, they said, so what does he do? And at the time, I didn't know what he did. He was just friendly. He was a bar friend. Um, so they took note of that. And where he stopped me was an apartment building on East Jefferson. They just turned and started snapping the pictures. And that's how that apartment came into play. So th that's, the, that's the Martin story. They tried to put me on. Kim Fields wanted the producer and the director to put me on and give me a talking role at the time. I wasn't part of the union. They hadn't planned it. Uh, I guess, I can't remember. I guess it was Fox or WKB, whatever one of the new channels were. So Fox, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they weren't all together and put all that together. Plus, I couldn't leave. The technology didn't exist the way it does now. They wanted me to stay in California for a month. That was too long to be away from radio. The GM wouldn't do it. So I, I didn't do the speaking part. But they did put me in one of the episodes in terms of a listener from Detroit calls and goes, Mason, Mason. And Martin Lawrence goes, no, Mason ain't here anymore. It's Martin. It's Martin. So and that, <laughs> that's awesome. That's as close to the authentic as get. But yeah, they did it. They wanted to do my story. They never told me why or anything of that nature. So it was cool. We, you know. But I can't wait till they do my yeah. story. Yeah, because we, we all grew up. Daddy, they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, we all grew up watching Martin. And what's funny is our last guest, a guy named Charles Johnson, he works for the XFL. He's worked at like literally every professional level. His favorite show is Martin. So the wow. fact that like he was on last week and then you're going to be on this week and you are the, 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 the essentially you are Martin. You're Martin. Martin. So I have to ask this question oh. for myself as well as my brother Amir. He, my brother's favorite character was Brahma. From the full flow. So, who was that? <laughs> who was Brahman? Was just somebody I worked with who was just laid back. And they kept saying, Who was that? I said, oh, That's just my brother. So they called him Brahman. But he was just Why somebody who through the window. I know, <laughs> right? They just threw that part in. <laughs> But yeah, it was somebody I worked with that was just laid back through the window, just eat something, and then just like leave. Yeah. Well, what was ironic is I lived in that apartment. Uh, at the time, they were redoing it for me. 
at the time they took the picture. So it was my actual residence at one point. <laughs> that is insane. So when the characters from the TV show were coming to the Detroit area, they'd all they'd come and visit. They wanted to see where everything was. They freaked out. Because <laughs> it, it looked like the set. <laughs> it was crazy. crazy. It was you're, a lot of fun, sure. though. You're for sure going to be one of the most favorite people I've had on my show, for sure. On our show, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Whose show? Who's our show. show? <laughs> our show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's He's but, like, I don't need that. Who, he goes, I don't need that bitch, Bichet. I don't hey, need I got him. a video game, bro. Back up. <laughs> He's like, I'm good hey, here. My, my internet don't work, but I'm good. <laughs> Bichet and Danny. <laughs> Hey Mason, who, who like so? Who's like one of your top three like favorite people that you've ever had on your show and like had a chance to hang out with like in the studio? Okay, you ready? I can tell you number yeah. one right off the bat. I don't even have to think about it, Mister Whipple. Please don't squeeze the shaman. Really? Oh, he was great. So, so here's the deal, Mister Whipple. At the time of the interview, had a girlfriend in Detroit. He was also like a little television legend as well. But what happened was I also had Al Green in the studio the same day, but the phones blew up for Mr. Whipple and we couldn't, we had to extend his interview. People loved it. They couldn't what stop. The, what were some of the Mr. Whipple questions? Because, I mean, like, what are you going to ask his dad to squeeze Charmin? Yes. <laughs> how long have you been doing it? Did they pay you a lot of money to do it? Um, how did they find you? And that's when he started telling us about television shows he, were, he was in, like the Twilight Zone and stuff like that, and how long he's been doing it, and uh, the girlfriend he had in Detroit. They just kept lighting up the phones. For Mr. Whipple, it's an it's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. incredible. I remember WJLB. I remember growing up, and they'd be like, WJLB, the strong songs. Strong songs. There you go. Exactly. That's all I can remember is just like, it was It was like the vibe. And it that was, was the I vibe. Mean, I was young. I mean, this is probably like maybe 80s or 90s. I'm yes. probably like in my teens and early 20s. And and it was like, that was the vibe. Like, if you listen to JLB, you were going to listen some, to some shit. I mean, shit. It was, and it if, you was, listen to, if you listen to that at night, shit was going down. I know, with the electrified <laughs> mojo. Exactly, exactly. Like, you were going to get lucky if you had JLB on after eight. Man, man. And the, the whole techno movement started with three DJs from WJLB. They we started know. that movement. That festival is theirs. DTMF, the Detroit Techno Music Festival? Yes, that is theirs. Oh, and they came on that. at night on Saturday for an hour, for two hours. And they <laughs> took that, went to Germany, the UK, and blew the hell up. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at, I mean, because it's, it's, D, the the digital music and electronic music is kind of Detroit now. Be, and the Detroit Techno Music Festival is a big deal downtown in Detroit in the summer. Yes. And there's a place called Heart Plaza, which is right down by the water, right across from Canada. And that place is bonkers. Like I was do down you there. Know, do you know the greatest event that ever took place at Heart when Plaza? When it starts George Clinton playing a diaper? Yes. <laughs> 
I did see that. George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadel was down there, and this motherfucker is wearing a diaper with yes. dreads of every color. And I'm like, what am I seeing right now? And if, if I look back, if I if I close my eyes, I could see Mason introducing him right now. Is that true? George is crazy, man, and still is. George still is. But at Hart Plaza, at the tip of Hart Plaza is where the great Houdini died. He yes. could not get out of the, the chains and died right there. This is true. Yeah, yeah. crazy story. Because he he did the chain underwater and he couldn't get out and died here in Detroit. But suppose he didn't somebody like punch him in the chest and that was part of the issue too, is like he couldn't breathe because one of the things is he had a bunch of people punch him first. There's a, there's like some so I think there's a story that one of the things he would do is he would have people punch him as hard as they could in his chest. Why? So he had to, so he may have had a broken rib, and then he did that, and so he couldn't keep his breath as long as he wanted to, and couldn't get out, and then died. But it was because one of the things he did at a bar earlier in the night is to have somebody punch him. Why? <laughs> because that's what Houdini did. That's, that's what Crazy, he did. You know, that's a hell of a story. I guess that's what he does. So, but um, yeah, so that's like the story I had heard. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's urban legend, but that's the thought was he couldn't have the capacity to breathe because he had a broken rib. Because oh, I got to find that. That is a fascinating story. I got to find that. Uh oh, Bobby D's uh, here. I'm, I'm in with the research here. The, the quick, quick research. He was at a bar before the show got punched and ended up with acute appendicitis still what? did the show you can't get appendicitis or get punched in the uh, gut that was the diagnosis that i'm seeing here what so year, i mean what year is this uh this was 1926 so Dr. medical Quack. advancements probably weren't quite what they are now <laughs> <laughs> no but Bobby, i remember I remembered something like he got punched in the in the stomach or something, and I thought I had heard he had, he had broken a rib and couldn't breathe. But that's incredible. crazy. Incredible! That's incredible. <laughs> so I'm going to jump in and ask you a quick question because you're killing it, Mason. You're yeah. I like how Bobby's out again. He's like, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. Um, but one of the things that's great about what you've done, obviously, no matter what you've done, you've been a success, and that's amazing. Now, one of the things. Bobby, or excuse me, Bobby, not Bobby, but Bobby does help us with this. Cuff Daddy and I have talked about his branding and like, how do you make that name for yourself? How do you, how do you drive your business? How do you build your listenership? I mean, I know what it takes for Bob or for, I keep saying Bobby, for Cuff Daddy and I to come up with what we need to ask you and, and the research we do on for an hour for one guy once a week, you got a four hour, five hour show five days a week. Like, how, one, how do you prep? And two, tell us about how you syndicated your own show. And you're like, I'm doing this on myself. I'm <laughs> owning my rights. I'm betting on myself. And I'm going to make that money because that's mine. Yeah. Um, boy, those are great questions. Preparation is 24 hours. It used to be a couple hours at night. You watch TV, get the news, wake up and get a newspaper, and then all of the newspapers, and then the AP wire. That that was prep 25 years ago. Now, because of the social media platform, it's a 24-hour prep. You never stop prepping. You never stop. You only stop when you sleep. 
every t for every moment that you're awake, you're prepping, you're looking, you're watching, you're you're scrolling, you're forever on in preparation. It, it, e everything matters. Everything matters today. Everything matters. Radio keeps still trying to say localization. That's old, done, and stepped on. The world is in your phone. The localization is cool. You need to know what's happening locally, but it's your address is the world. You got to be ready to go because everyone's got a cell phone. <laughs> and when I was watching the Equalizer, they were going to kill Denzel Washington. Like Denzel or King Latifah. No, the yeah, new one just came out. Yes. So they had Denzel surrounded in the town. <laughs> and they were going to pull the trigger. And, and they did a unique feature in the movie. They pan all the people. So, so the, big, the big drug dealer, Kingpin, says, I want all the people in the street to witness this. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, just this one sec. All right, all right. And so all the townspeople are gathered. Remember like the old Westerns? when the bad guy would make all the people in the town come out <laughs> into yeah. the street and watch the, the, the shootout. Well, they did the same thing. Did They had Denzel dead right to left. And right before he pulled the trigger, someone had a rifle and fired off a shot. And then the cameras pan the people in the town. You know what they had? A cell phone. And they were filming. They were going to film the shooting. So the, the big bad guy saw that and decided not to pull the trigger because he know they had him on film. So, yeah, not nah, the, the world is your address and the prep never stops. Everything you do see and is a part of doc is just like our meeting. That's that. That was part of prepping. That was yeah. a show. So I took what you did for me and I put that on the radio. No, and, I meant that. Listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you why I put it on the radio and 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 how I prefaced it. Here's a guy who has money. He doesn't need to help anybody specifically. There was no reason to do it. He didn't know what I was doing or what I had bought. That wasn't the issue. The issue was help. He just wanted to help. He just wanted to help. He didn't know it was me. He didn't know why my cards didn't work. He didn't care. He just wanted to help. He wanted me to feel good about me and get what I needed and just feel good. Now, people with money is like, get your ass out of the way. Your stuff doesn't work. I'm next. Can you move? <laughs> so, see, that's, that's the LA. That's the LA but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. That's my normal MO. Like, wrap it up. And no, so, no, but, I know. But, but, but the reality is there was something in that moment where I didn't have that feeling. I was like, I need to help my guy right here. And I'm going to ask you to dig up that excerpt. I don't know if you can find it because I want my, my kids to listen to that. And so well, we'll, we'll that talk, was the other part. I said, we'll I told online. his kids. I said, I told his kids what a father they had. So I said, that, yeah, I said, I said that was the, the greatest part about what he did that I could tell his children. And then I told them, Doc, what I told you. Um, you don't just, that does, doesn't, just doesn't happen. Uh, 
you have to be taught that. And that means your parents taught that to you and instilled that in you. You you don't just do that. You could have a trillion dollars and and never do it. And a lot of people with a trillion dollars don't do it. And it wasn't because you had the money. It's just because you wanted to help. Mm-hmm. You didn't you're like right. rush. You didn't like rush me or the cash cashier. You didn't go like, well, what's the problem? Da, da, da. Okay, listen, I'll just do it. That's not what happened. You said, listen, let me help you. Let me just take care of it for you. Don't worry about it today. Just don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. So, yeah, yeah, that he did that. And I would do it again, my friend. I would do it again. Oh, now, it, now, now, if Danny wanted something to eat, I'd be like, bro, come on. <laughs> Danny's got a fake bro. I'm still, think, I'm still thinking about Denzel, man. What I really want to know is, I keep thinking about it the last two minutes, is hey, who will way, win in a gun a, battle? Denzel a, Washington as the equalizer or John Wick? Oh, shit. What do you oh, think, Mason? Okay. Hold, you on, got? hold on, hold on. Hold on, Mason. Announce this. <laughs> John Wick versus the Equalizer. How would you announce that? Go. And now, it's showdown. But this time, who will win? It's the Continental Hotel. Oh, shit. The bar. Wait. There he is. John Wick and the Equalizer. Have a seat and we'll see who will win. Something simple like that. What, like what's, that. What, what's the like that? Dude, that was dope. I was no on my head in my seat. Wait, 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 here we go. Here we go. Here we go, Danny. <laughs> the next time you see Mr. McCall and John Wick. My advice, go the other way. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Get the hell out of there. That's it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this shit. I don't know. I like Denzel, but John Wick is ruthless in these John Wick movies, bro. That dude cannot be killed. Here's what they would do. Here's what they would do, Danny. Here's what they would do. They wouldn't fight. They would have the ultimate conversation. That's what they do. I feel it. They would have that conversation. They would tell you what they would do to each other, but they would never do it. Here's what would happen. Here's how the scene would unfold. (laughs) Everybody would go to the movies waiting to see the showdown. They'd meet at the bar in the Continental. They'd have that Denzel, Mr. McCall, John Wick conversation, and then someone would cause a disturbance behind them, and they would light their ass on fire. They team up. They wouldn't fight each other. I I think we need a crossover equalizer John Wick event. John Wick But see, this is why Cuff Daddy, my man Mason, is an Emmy winner. He's an (laughs) Emmy winner. How'd you find that out? Oh, don't you worry. I know. Yeah, that's Emmy winner. I'd be pissed pissed at that ending, man. He killed his dog. Denzel going down. But that's the greatest part of that movie. It's like the guy calls. He's like, I heard you. You have you put hands on my son, and he goes, he killed my dog. He goes, oh, 
I mean, that's yeah. a greater point. It's like, oh, <laughs> like I get it. It's okay. They'd be great. They would. They would have that conversation, much like um, Al Pacino did with um, uh, in the movie Heat. Oh, that's a good ass movie. That's real shit. That's a that, shit. That's a movie that there's. I just saw this thing the other day, and there's like a handful of movies that they say you must watch before you die, and mm-hmm. at least once. And Heat is one of those. I we mean, that, that gun bi- battle sound. I mean, they shoot something like fourteen hundred rounds. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, but that conversation they had at the table, uh, mm. Pacino and um, De Niro, right? De Niro, yeah. And he goes, I tell you what, I got a wife who I can't see. I've got a shit daughter-in-law who, or daughter, whose father won't come and see him. But I got to chase you around and around. What do you think is going to happen when I catch him? I tell you what, if you can catch me in 30 seconds, I'll be gone. So that kind of stuff. So then that, that would be the that would be the John. You're, You're crazy, bro. I, <laughs> I like you. I like uh, you. So Mason, <laughs> earlier tonight, Danny and I made intros for each other. Okay. Oh shit. And I think we may have even done one for Bobby Buckets. So, so this is like this is like a game. It's like our competition. We have like a little competition, right? So you, you're 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 obviously you. So you're going to be awesome on both sides. So it's really going to be dependent on what we wrote for you to say on who wins. But okay. I wrote it for Danny. Danny wrote it for me, and we wrote oh, it for Bobby. Great. So Bobby, okay. come on out. Bobby Digital. All right, I'm staying for good this time. All right. So there what do you got for? Does he have the script? Who, me? Yeah, Bobby said everything. He did. All right. Okay. And now, standing 5'10 from Oakland University. He's still waiting for that 10-day contract. But I don't know if he's going to get that. But... He keeps producing the podcast. In the meantime, starting point guard number 12, this is Bobby. Bobby Demolski. Standing at 6'2, get ready for you. Looking like your father. Fresh, but Gray Beard, he's ready to slice and dice from the Sand Dunes to Michigan State University. Then to the D, we're talking about riding on the hot three, hump camp, and rock the latest Versace sandals. Fixing the rotator cuff is a hobby, but the author's they call him the American Pharaoh, so you know he's ready to go. He steps out of the Egyptian tomb. Number 11, Sharif Basha. 
Seven five five and it's Bob Red Bottoms. The whoosh loving ball and it's known for his freestyle rap and flow from the dinosaurs. Helen from Los Angeles, the small surgeon, graduate UC Irvine, where he got his undergrad in medical degrees. He got his orthopedic surgery on the USC. Then flipped coats for his shoulder elbow fellowship at the Rothman and Kenner. He's now back in LA, slicing and dicing his shoulders and elbows. He's so good at repairing the shoulder. All the patients are calling him Daddy, Daddy, Cup Daddy, Daddy is. He is Danny. It's Vito. <laughs> that is I like un- that better. It's Vito. I like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to introduce myself that. like that now. So, Mason, when you throw that out there, like, how long did it take you to, like, come up with? So, Bobby and I grew up, obviously, around in Michigan. So, we remember Detroit basketball. Like, how did that come up? And then, like, each of the intro, like Ben Wallace and, like, Chauncey Billups. I mean, like, how does that come out? Well, the Detroit basketball, they had not played a national game. Um, and then they finally got one. And then the people at ESPN – um, were on the headset going, uh, calling back to Sakakis saying, this is a boring game. This is at the time when the Pistons were holding teams to, to under 80 points per game. So they're like, this is boring. Let's go to Houston. And they had a discussion real quick. And they said, okay, count it down in 10. Nine. I'm like, oh, no. We waited all this time to get a national game, and now they're just going to flip out on us. Uh, you got to say something, say something, anything. And at the time, um, one of the Pistons players had dived on the floor. Now, granted, here's the rule for me or all PA announcers. If it's not a shot being made or a foul called, you have no business speaking on the mic. So I'm like, oh, man. So – we get the ball. We the John John Barry uh, falls down on the court and grabs the ball and gets it to to somebody. Uh, and I was like, and the countdown now was at seven, six, five. I'm like, man, you gotta say something about the city. I don't care. Say something. I just went Detroit basketball. Now, three things about that. Thing one, it subconsciously came forward to my conscious because at that time there was a thing going around in the arenas where people were going air ball. So subconsciously I flipped it and went Detroit basketball. Uh, I also felt myself on an airplane and the seatbelt thing. Ding, ding. <laughs> And that, it is all true. that all happened to me within four or five seconds. Now, here was the danger in doing it. I already told you what the what the law is. PA announcer is not supposed to speak at all unless there's a foul committed or a shot made. 
the people and I'm new. <laughs> they turned to me, man. They turned red. They did that thing of cutting me off at the neck, saying, "Don't ever, don't you ever, ever, ever do that again." So I guess Joe Dumars called down to the table and said, "What the hell did he just do?" So they were going to have a meeting with me three days later because the team was headed to Indiana. And we were to have a meeting before the next home game. So they wanted me to come early. So I'm like dreading it. I'm like, they, they're not going to keep me, man. You are gone. You're toast. And then they play in Indiana and some fan has this sign that says Detroit basketball. It makes Sports Center's top 10 countdown. Let's go. I get in the arena. I go to where they told me to be and at what time for the meeting. There's no one there. Now it's time for me to be in my position on the floor. The guy who told me that he came, he sat down, he didn't say anything. He then fully turned to me, looked me in the eyes and said, whenever you want to say that, just go right in. <laughs> So, that's incredible. Boom. That's hey, incredible. I'm, I'm going to chime in here, guys. I, I rarely do this, Mason, just so I know. But I, I got to ask because hearing that story, like it's it's so cool to hear the origin of it. And I mean, that's become like the guys know I'm like I'm a basketball junkie. So like that call is like one of the most iconic calls in the history of the NBA at this point. Yes. So like you, I mean, we spent video game. Yeah, like we've spent, you know, an hour, hour and a half or whatever it is now just talking to you and you're just, you know, you're you're a super modest, just regular guy. You like to have fun. But yes, you're an but you're an icon at the same time when it comes to that. There's no other PA announcers that stack up to that or have these, you know, the the tones that you have and the way that you go about it. Like, what does that feel like for somebody as modest as you and down to earth as you to be like kind of in that regard. And before you answer that, Mason, hold on. And guys, do you know that he's one of the only guys on a nationally televised show, like game on ESPN that they will use him as the broadcaster versus somebody, uh, the, their team. So go yeah. ahead. Mason. Well, yeah. And thank you. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you, gentlemen. Really. That does nice, man. It, you know, Bobby, I've been in different places in the world. You know, I went to Cyprus, Turkey. They honored me in Turkey as the international arena announcer um, of the year um, some time back. There's 108,000 people, man, and they went, Yee, basketball. <laughs> And it was amazing. That's wild. I that know. Wild, I know, right? My guys are surrounding me with machine guns. It was. It's That's it's crazy. it's quite an it's quite an honor. And and I bet you, Bobby, I bet you, Docs, if I tried to do that, to do that, it would have never came to me. I just wanted to just shout out Detroit. Because I looked around that arena that night and I saw the happiness and the joy that those people had in their faces because we were going to be on a national televised game and they were cheering as hard as they could. And they it was just a love for the city that made me do it. I was really 
willing to be fired for it. I, I really didn't care. I cared that I got it out. Um, I wasn't doing, I, I never intended it to, to be a renegade doing it. And this has happened to me three times. <laughs> um, but yeah, they asked me that when I do NBA 2K as well, when I go to record, I, I don't have uh Bobby, I was more honored to Doc bought me that food. <laughs> and 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 because because he did it with his heart, that that just felt so good. So it's it's those moments that 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 I cherish the most. And like I told you about being in the surgical suite, the the Detroit basketball, what a blessing, man. What a blessing. But I was only doing it to honor the city of Detroit to 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 have Detroit blasted out on on television. So so that is is I guess the the way I look at it. But I've been in different countries and to hear people do it and say it or be in another city and people say I recognize you. I was on Tavern on the Green in New York once and I sat at the bar and the guy knew exactly who I was. Um, it's just, so it's, 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 it's been fascinating. The other one, the other one I got in trouble with <laughs> was Kobe Bryant. I did an elaborate intro of Kobe and they were like, man, you still remember it? He's no, but it's, it's on YouTube. It's okay. that elaborate. They were oh. like, Mace, that was good, but you really kind of went overboard. You know, you don't really. <laughs> we're Marion. It's Kobe, man. Kobe's a legend, man. I and got that, one last question for you because it's just I have to ask because sure. when I when there, there's there's been like documentaries about it, but I just got to ask Malice at the Palace. Yeah, what kind of chaos was that? I mean, to, to watch it. I mean, I remember watching it live, and I had season tickets with my brother back then. And that was the game we missed. And I just remember, and then years later, it's like you kind of remember it, but then I watched the thing on Netflix, and it's just wild. Like, what was it like when you're literally in the center of it, and you're sitting at the table, and Ron Artest is laying on your table and gets hit with a beer? Like, walk us through it. Well, there were a couple things that that, um – they didn't do publicly. And, and I begged Jim Gray uh, to tell the story correctly, but he, he didn't want to tell it that way. N- nonetheless, um, the fight started, for, for whatever reason, Indiana was angry when they came in the arena. As soon as the tip was tipped and it went to Indiana, the guard, um, I forget his name. It was uh, Tinsley. Tinsley, Jamal Tinsley, he went, fuck these motherfuckers, man. I'm like, whoa. Shots fired. <laughs> whoa. I mean, he just they just tipped the ball. And, I mean, they don't do that in the heat of battle. Uh, so that was very, very odd. So that, that was one thing. Uh, ben Wallace's brother had just passed days before that malice and ron artest it was more than the push he said fuck you and your dead ass brother oh oh that's what truly triggered it 
and then then it was Stevens. What's what's his first name? Steven, it was Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson. Stephen yeah. Jackson. Stephen Jackson wanted to start a fight. This is after now the push had taken place. Our test was on the table. Stephen Jackson went after Derek Coleman because they're both street people. Derek stood there and just looked at him. But Derek's friends, you they started moving around in the arena like flies coming into the area. They could see the chatter. So where the usher was sitting, where Ron Artest was on the table, Derek Coleman's boy took that usher's seat and sat there. He was waiting to go on the floor because Stephen Jackson was woofing at D.C. But Derek just smiled. So that went by. Then they go up into the crowd and here comes Coach Larry Brown. He goes, why in the fuck don't you tell these people to sit the fuck down? I'm like, Coach, I have no mic. They kicked the cords out of the mic. He says, where the hell is the backup? He picked up the backup mic and it didn't work either. So then he just threw the mic to the floor and it was the, it, it, it got scary because then a uh, Rick Mahorn who was sitting up uh, on the table with me went into the, to the crowd. It, that was the scariest part to see. And he's player. a big dude. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, and then the one guy that was drunk that ran on the floor. Now the part about the running on the floor there was ice and water now on the floor. This guy is drunk and he's running toward the Pacers bench and Jermaine mm-hmm. O'Neal had a windmill. Yeah. He had a windmill going, just waiting for him. And he hit the guy, but the guy slid before he could take the true brunt of the punch. He probably could have killed him with that punch. Yeah. I mean, he was just... If you so, watch that swing, if, if he doesn't slip, I that dude, know that, that dude. Is that dead. guy's in the hospital, man. That dude is dead. Yeah, yeah. Macy's gonna be there putting him in a full body cast. Yeah, and they, <laughs> there we go. Get high before it. <laughs> there we go. But that <laughs> dude, they found him on the documentary. That's the best part. But um, I, I will, t- uh, I will tell you this though, the Pacers had so much respect for me. They put me in that documentary. Because they really was was giving me honor, um, because of the way I would call lineups. So that that was it. it, it actually, if you go back and watch the documentary, they they're really complimenting me, um, and that they were saying that because I do it so well, it added fuel to the fire, kind of thing. Yeah, that was amazing. Like I, I mean, just just how that could happen in sports and. Oh. It's like the perfect storm for that to happen. And yes. it's kind of weird. Like certain things in life happen that you just don't have an explanation, just like you and I met. Um, it's just like, how does that happen? It's yes. just by chance. And it is all by chance. And it is, you know, there's a spirituality to it all. Totally. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, that, but that was, that was, it was scary. 
it, it, it really was scary. So then the incident had an opportunity to repeat last season at Little Caesars Arena. And um, I just told people, don't move. This is during that LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart uh, debacle where, where, he, where LeBron hit Stewart and broke his eye wide open. Uh, and we just told people not to move, you know, don't, don't move, you know, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna the ushers are volunteers. Up. The ushers are volunteer business people. They're not like paid employees. They're, they're not, so they're not really physically equipped to really handle crowds, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, well, I will say this. What's not scary is how great you were as a guest tonight. You were unbelievable. Danny, uh, my, Danny myself. Do and, man, thanks for, oh, man, I can't wait. Meeting you. I will say this. Dude, Bobby D, Cuff Daddy, and the American Pharaoh cannot wait to be on Mason in the morning. There we go. We'll get you on. We'll get oh, you guys on. Let's do it. I can't wait to be on. And if you can dig up that that conversation you had with the world the day after we met, I'd love to you know show that there and let my kids listen to that. But honestly, Mason, you are unbelievable. We, your energy is is infectious. Uh, I thought Cuff Daddy had, was a ball of energy. Mm-mm. He's he's striving <laughs> oh, to be like fun. Mason. We all never so good. It's so it's, good. It's, be, it's because you guys, it, it comes from your hearts. So. It was fun. But listen, seriously, right around the middle of the season, um, please, let's do another one. Talk a little bit about how the season is going at that point and that kind of stuff. I can't wait. Done. I can't wait. This is going to be great. I still can't. I mean, we'll, what we'll talk about is how we didn't get the first pick. I I, that, I still I still think this is bullshit. I think there's some home cooking going on. We should, we know, should, right? have, we should have that tall Frenchman, but uh, who knows? Whatever. But yeah. Mason... Honestly, my friend, I'm so honored to have crossed paths with you. And God bless you, my friend. Thanks for all you do for the city of Detroit, for basketball, for what basketball is in the world, and like all you do for the people that listen to you daily and you bring happiness and joy to them. You are the man, and we are just excited to have you on our pod. So thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. Thanks, man. Sharif and Danny, thank you both. Bobby, thank you for your assistance in, in getting me on. Hey, hold on. We never told them what numbers we are. I'm number 11. And what number are you, uh, C. Diddy? 69. I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask, ask his wife. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode of I'm a Pod Star, Not a Doctor, uh, featuring your boy Cuff Daddy. And the American Pharaoh. Find us where you find all your podcasts on Apple, Android, Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Find us on socials at I'm a Pod Star, Not a Doctor, at Instagram, (laughs) at TikTok, at YouTube. At goodbye. Yeah, watch out for my video game, guys. See you next week. <laughs> Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah.
Grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. Grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. I grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent.